0: This is Crossroads with Clayton King. This is a really special message that I preached at my church recently on Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's really special to me because I'm adopted. My mother uh, gave birth to me in 1972, right before Roe v. Wade became the law of the land. I could have easily been an abortion statistic, but my mom chose to give me life and then give me up for adoption. So when I preach this message about the sanctity of human life and the value of every human soul, it really hits home for me. I hope it will hit home for you as well. So get your Bible, Psalm 139, and let's get ready to listen to the Holy Spirit teach us about life. So I wanna go to the last two verses of Psalm 139 and start there, and then we'll go back and read starting from verse one. Here is proof that you can know God through prayer and watch how the psalmist ends out this prayer when he uh, makes himself vulnerable to God. He invites God to change him through prayer. And this is what the psalmist writes. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. What a good prayer. Well, it's a a verb prayer, an action-oriented prayer. Here's what he starts off with in Psalm 139 verse one. Here's how he begins his prayer. He calls to the Lord, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. And then he begins to ask a question. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning dwell in the uppermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Next verse, verse 13, four. now, Now this is important, I love this. For you, God, you formed me, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. And then I awake and I am still with you." What a gorgeous prayer. What an amazing prayer of praise to God. You can see several times here where the psalmist gets, it's almost like he just gets so emotional and caught up in the moment. He just has to stop for a minute and bust out in a praise. God, I cannot believe you're this good to me. You knew me before I was born. You you formed me in my mother's womb. Before I even spoke a word, you knew the words that were on my tongue. God, how could you be this awesome? And he erupts in praise. That's one of the ways that we can know God through prayer is that our prayers aren't just us asking for stuff. It's also thanking God for the stuff he's already given us. And then you just begin to number all the things he's already done for you and you realize, my prayers are not just about thanking God for the things he's done for me. I'm gonna now move into another place of prayer where I am praising God for who he is. He's beautiful and awesome and perfect and creative and compassionate and merciful and full of forgiveness and he's so wise and smart. He made all of us, he made this world. He, he knew who I would be before there was a me. He knew who you would be before you even existed. That is our God. Now, now I wanna show you something from another passage of scripture because I wanna go somewhere that I believe this scripture takes us, that, that God has revealed himself to the psalmist in prayer. And that's what we're talking about in this series. But God shows the psalmist and by virtue of the word of God, God shows us who he is through the prayers that this psalmist prayed 12 or 1,300 years ago. God shows us something about his character. God has made the earth, he has created the heavens and the planet that we now live on. And in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, we pick up the creation narrative. Then God said, let us make man in our image, notice plural language, us and our. This means that the God we know revealed in Scripture is one God in three persons. The Trinity is in Genesis chapter one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, the Godhead, three in one, decided that they would make the human race in their image, Father, Son, and Spirit, and our likeness. And he says in the next part of verse 26, and let them have dominion or authority, dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. God created them. And God didn't just create them. God didn't just create us, God blessed them. God blesses human life. It says it right there in the scripture. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I love that command. Thank you, Jesus. For that command, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God has given specific instruction to the human life he has created. This is what we call the imago day. That is Latin and it simply means the image of God. That's what Imago Dei means. That is how God establishes creation. And church, this is essential. So don't miss this, because in the next 19 minutes of my sermon, I'm gonna build everything off of this theological concept. That God didn't randomly allow our world to just evolve without design. Genesis tells us that there was a design to our creation. He created two genders, male and female. He told them to come together and procreate, to create life. And that life would fill the earth and subdue it. The imago Dei, the image of God. God wants some things. God, one of the things that God wants is God wants his glory to fill the earth. How does his glory fill the earth? By right now on planet earth, eight billion image bearers. That's our current population on planet earth right now. We're at about 8 billion. And and listen, every one of those lives is an image bearer of God. I want you to think about that church. You reflect God's image as if, like I was looking in a mirror this morning to make sure I didn't have anything hanging out of my nose, to make sure I didn't have anything in my teeth. I'm looking in a mirror this morning, shaving. I shaved my neck, because I got a little beard going on, you know. I'm looking in the mirror so I can see what I look like. You know what that mirror does? That mirror is not me. That mirror reflects my image back to me. We're not God. We'll never be God. But you know what we do? We reflect the image of God to the world. All of us do that. And that is why a day like today is so important. Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's important because the image of God is everything God esteems and values his image. It's why the enemy attacks the image of God. Satan is real, Satan hates God. You know, why does Satan hate God? Well, Satan hates God because God is more powerful than him and God has more glory than him. And Satan wants the power and the glory and he even attempted to get it and he failed. So Satan cannot attack and kill God. He tried that with Jesus and it backfired on him. He did try to kill Jesus and Jesus did die, but Jesus was resurrected and came back to life. So what Satan does now is Satan attacks the image of God. How does he do that? By attacking image bearers. He is the thief who comes to kill and steal and destroy. He's the liar, John chapter eight, the father of lies. I wanna say this very clearly, Satan hates every image bearer of God, Satan hates you. Satan hates image bearers who were born and Satan hates image bearers who are unborn. Because when Satan sees the image of God in human life, it reminds him of the battle he lost and it reminds him of the future that he knows awaits him in eternity. Revelation 20.10, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. So the enemy attacks the image of God in the earth. And what does this look like? Let me say this, I'm, I'm not a woman and I'll never know what it's like to have a baby or to have to make hard decisions. I'll never know what it's like to feel like you have no other choice before you. And at New Spring Church, we've said this before, I wanna say it very clearly again now. This is a church where no one will judge you because of mistakes you have made or decisions that you've made in your past. This is a place filled with the grace of our Father. This is also a church I think we've, if you're new, maybe you don't know this yet, but I hope that you've even been able to see today that we value human life and it's not just the human life in the womb. We value all of human life. It's why as a church, we value the Imago Day. It's why we support recovery ministries. It's why we support Christian counseling. It's why we give money to organizations that rescue people from poverty, that help rescue folks in Africa, for instance, from from, uh, the AIDS epidemic. It's why we support um, pregnancy centers for mothers who need to have an ultrasound or need to find out what are my options. We support all of human life. And so for me as as a man, even though I know that I could never understand what it's like for a woman to have to, be pregnant and have a baby. I just want the Bible to be our guide today. I want the scripture to not pull us. The scripture will never pull you to the right or the left. The scriptures will always pull you vertically to God. God sees you, God knows you, God loves you. God forgives, God offers grace, God offers mercy. Look up to God, see what God is like through prayer. God is a God of tender mercy. God is a God of grace and forgiveness. We'll be back in just a minute to finish this message, but before we do, I wanted to invite you to pray for us and even attend our 26th annual Crossroads Winter Conference. It's in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. This is a student event for middle school and high school students. And it's gonna be Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. It's gonna be Friday, January the 12th through Sunday, January the 14th. This is an amazing student weekend, a big conference with thousands of kids from all over the Southeast, and we'd love for you to come. I'll be preaching there, my wife Shari will be there, our son Jacob will be there. Great worship from folks like Charlie Botrago, great speakers, amazing fellowship. It's gonna be awesome. Go to crossroadswinterconference.com for more information, crossroadswinterconference.com, and you can register your students right now for our Winter Conference this January in Gatlinburg. As a matter of fact, um, I, in my own story, have so much of this. I wanna show you, I mean, some of you may not know this, but if you're new, I'm adopted. And I thank God that the women in my life really value life. I thank God that my birth mother chose to give me life when I couldn't choose it myself because I was in the womb. I've got one picture of my birth mother, my biological mom, and about the age that she was when she gave birth to me. Her name was Judy. And I posted this this morning on social media and immediately people started sending me uh, messages going, you look just like her. And she was in her early 20s when she gave birth to me. I I want you to know that when she gave birth to me, she chose a hard thing because she was married, but her husband was fighting in the jungles of Vietnam. And while he was in Vietnam fighting, she had an affair with her ex-boyfriend, my biological dad. And she got pregnant with me. And because the enemy wants to shame us, God never wants to shame us, but because the enemy wants to shame us, she was um, ashamed of the fact that she got pregnant out of wedlock. And so she moved to Charleston. And she lived there for nine months in an apartment by herself. And the only person who knew she was pregnant was her sister, Lynn. She chose to give me life and she chose to give me away. And I thank God every day that my mom did that. And I thank God that my mom was a a woman that made a tough decision. And then recently I was able through DNA to meet my biological family and I met my sister. I didn't know that I had a sister. Her name is Paige. And um, my sister Paige is a single mom. She's a single mom and she chose life. She decided to have her baby. She's still a single mom and and she did a hard thing. And now her little boy is growing up with a mama that loves her. She chose life for her son when he couldn't choose it for himself. When my birth mother gave me up for adoption, I was adopted by my real mom and she's been dead for 11 years now. And she had tried to have children. Her and my dad tried to conceive for 10 years. They conceived once and she had a miscarriage. They waited 10 years to adopt me. That's how long it took to adopt me. And so my mom made a very difficult decision and my dad helped support my mom. And so when I read Psalm 139, and then I go to Genesis chapter one, I see that it's the image of God in human beings that makes us wanna run to someone when they're sick that makes us wanna care for someone when they have a physical disability or a mental disability. It is the image of God in the earth that has informed the church for 2,000 years. You can actually see that the reason why the church grew was not because we had slick marketing abilities or great preachers or amazing orators or because 2,000 years ago, we had free coffee in the lobby at the Jewish synagogues when Christians were meeting there. No, because the church believed in the image of God because the church cared for the poor, because the church cared for women and valued women as equal to men, because the church cared for children, specifically children that were left to die. It's called infanticide. And throughout human history, infanticide has been practiced in cultures where if families wanted a boy, but the mom had a girl, The father could decide, we don't want a girl, we want a boy, so they would literally leave children out to die on the streets, to starve or freeze to death. And then here comes Jesus of Nazareth, crucified, resurrected, the word of God is written and canonized, and Christians said, we'll take those children because they bear the image of God. We'll take those children because we've prayed, we've read the scripture. As a matter of fact, outside of the New Testament, the oldest Christian document we have is called the Didache. It was written in the first century. It's basically a Christian catechism. And I wanna quote from the Didache. This goes all the way back to the first century. The Didache says of Christians, quote, Christians are those who do not practice or permit abortion or infanticide. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. And it's not just a political statement we make. It's where we put our effort. It's where we put our tithe dollars. It's where we put our energy. We believe in the Imago day because Genesis teaches us three simple things about human life. You have identity. We all have identity bearing the image of God. It also teaches us you have authority. God gave us dominion over the earth, not to ruin it, but to steward it. I'll say it again, not to ruin it, but to steward it. You have authority, church, and we have sanctity. You have sanctity. It's not just that you exist, it's that you have eternal value. There is sanctity to your life. That word just means holiness. Your life is holy. The life of every child is holy. The life of every person living in poverty, the life of every Muslim in Pakistan, of every Hindu in India, that life is holy. Every single life has sanctity. And why is this true? It's true because we're made in the image of God. Hey y'all, I was gonna say, let me be as blunt as I can. God doesn't make trash. God doesn't make junk. You're not a throwaway life. You matter to God because He created you. You were created by God, but it's even better than that. And this is how we know God through prayer. It's how the Psalmist knew God through the prayer of Psalm 139. You are seen and surrounded by God. He's everywhere you go. He's in everything that you do. I actually wrote this in my notes. Every second of every day, God is everywhere and knows everything about everybody. Boy, talk about everybody having an everyday relationship with Jesus. That's our mission as a church. That is proven right here in verses three through seven. Look at Psalm 139, three through seven. The scripture is so clear. You search out my path, my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in before and behind. You lay your hand upon me. How intimate is that? That your heavenly father loves you enough to put his hand on you. And right now, right now, I'm gonna pause right here. Keep the verses up. Right now, I feel like God is laying his hand on someone somewhere. There's a dad watching right now and you, can't, you have not been able to forgive yourself because there is an abortion in your story. And I wanna tell you that God right now is putting his hand on you saying, son, I love you. That doesn't define you. And maybe there's a mom right now. I mean, there's thousands of people watching on 14 campuses and there is a life in your womb. And you may hear voices telling you to do one thing, but I want you to, right now, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Your Father's putting his hand on you right now, and he's telling you, I know you, I see you, and I've brought you here today to surround you with my love. Listen to the voice of your heavenly Father. He sees you, he surrounds you, you hear me in, behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? There is nowhere you can go that God can't see you and love you. There is no sin I can commit that God can't forgive me and restore me and make me new. And I know that when I pray. I know that when I pray the scripture. I know that when I go to Psalm 139 and I read what the psalmist writes. As in prayer, God reveals to him who he is. A God that loves life from the womb to the tomb. A God that inspires his people, the church, to care for all life. Church, I believe today that what we need in our nation people like us to put our money where our mouth is and to value life, every single life around us. And it starts with taking a little bit of time to make eye contact with that brother or that sister at work, at school, in the post office, in the grocery store, for me at the YMCA, or as I'm traveling in an airport. It means that we honestly believe that person we're looking at in front of us is an image bearer of God. Oh, and by the way, so are you. How would it change our interactions with other people that we disagree with about politics or sports or even religious beliefs? How would we treat people differently if we could remember every single person we come in contact with is literally made by God in His image? One other thing I hope that this will encourage you with is As you think about this message, maybe you've made some mistakes in your life. Maybe you made a decision that you wish you could go back and change and you feel the shame and the guilt. I want you to know that God never shames you. God loves you. So if you have had an abortion or if you've made some mistakes and committed sin, let Jesus forgive you. Just tell him you're sorry and receive his mercy and his grace. He will never cast you aside. He's right there for you right now, giving you life, mercy, and grace. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.